0: live pal welcome to another episode of the peace and stew podcast i am Stu, and today it's interview monday trying to make this a regular thing we've got a big interview today with billy Koch. uh last week was andy serling hope you guys uh check that out we've had tom gallowan we've had phil hager on um yeah, check out our interviews. Me and Peach are gonna be back at it. Uh this week. We're gonna be dropping some new content for you that's uh sports related. Get get um a a little something different than the ponies, what we've been doing a lot of lately. Uh, you can reach us on Twitter, please follow, reply to some of our posts, um, check in with us at peach P I E S C H underscore Stucast. That's Pish underscore stewcast on Twitter. Like, rate, subscribe. Tell us how we're doing on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and today, uh, like I said, aforementioned, uh, Billy Koch on from Low Red Feather Racing. Check these guys out. Uh, it was a fun conversation, um, and I hope, uh, I hope you enjoy. So I'll check in with you afterwards. Later. At this time, joined by one of the founding partners and the face that runs the place over a little red feather racing, Billy Koch. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, really, really understated how like you guys are really reinventing the game as far as partnerships and, and some of the forward thinking ideas. I know you're a busy man, so thank you for taking the time today.
1: Al, no, it's a pre. I appreciate it. Believe me, I, I, I wish I was busier. Uh, this quarantine stuff and uh, do not leave your house edict is. Uh, I, I'm thrilled to do this.
0: No, hey, thanks, man. Um, well, let's jump right into it. Uh, I don't really. I pick up your story from. Um, I've only been in the game for a few years now, four or five years. So I really only know like the faults. And slash Gordon and Marquis Water and what you got going now? How did cool. you get into the sport and and how did you get to that point? Um, up until about 2004 with Singletary.
1: Well, I've I've always been a horse racing fan, even when I was a little kid. My my grandfather, who was a producer, you probably saw some of his movies: uh, Airplane, Ghost. Stuff like that.
0: Uh, Maybe once or twice. Yeah,
1: yeah, I've seen Airplane a couple of times. <clears throat> My, he was he was a, uh, he was an owner, and he was on the board of directors at Hollywood Park, and I was a little kid, and he used to pick me up from school. I'll never forget it. And we'd, we'd stop by Taco Bell, and then we'd go out on the backstretch, and we'd watch the horses in the afternoons. And I just fell in love with the sport. It was uh, – when, when you're a kid and, and you have, you know, experiences – like hanging out with Telly Savalas, and we named a horse after him named Telly's Pop, who won the uh, 1975 Del Mar Futurity and Western Triple Crown. Um, you know, I I would sit around and draw pictures, and of all I did was draw horses. I would run around my grandparents' pool with a whip, and I'd put silks on. Uh, I, was, <laughs> I was absolutely obsessed with with horse racing uh from the from when i was a little kid i mean i'm i'm i just turned 50 last year
0: jesus really
1: so, yeah so we're i'm old now but so well, we were...
0: I, hey no offense and i'm not trying to hit on you but you, you look a lot younger in like the the america's uh yeah, racing it, videos of the yeah and it's, stuff. it's photoshop photoshop <laughs>
1: okay <laughs> <laughs> no I yeah I've been at it for a long time and I think this is the kind of game um where you need a lot of what I'll call um historical perspective. So yeah. I've seen so much growing up as an as an owner and being um involved from that perspective. Um uh, you know going to the races from a, a young age following it very closely. I am loving what's happening at social media right now with all these. I think you mentioned that you had Andy Serling on. I love his, that he's posting all these old videos. I call it the uh, race replay vortex that I sometimes get I, into.
0: I told him I, I couldn't sleep the other night and all our sleep schedules are so right crazy right now. I woke up at like three o'clock in the morning and I found myself watching uh, the Travers from 62 Redan <laughs> and uh, Jaipur. And I'm like, I'm real. I'm either a really big degenerate or I'm a real historian
1: yeah no it's probably both um (laughs) you're probably a lot like me and uh so so I you know but growing up in it I always wanted to be a part of it I knew it would always be part of my life and uh when I I went away to school I went to Northwestern I know we're going to talk some Big Ten later oh boy uh, are we but uh, came back and, and just was really, I caught in, I was following in my, my grandfather and my father's footsteps and got into some Hollywood-based business businesses, but I always had horse racing on my mind and always wanted to um, be an owner. I wanted to do it myself, but I had no money. That's a, that's a problem. You, you kind of, you need money to buy a horse. I don't know if you know that, Al.
0: Uh I'm vaguely familiar. I thought yeah. we got them for free but no. I think there is a few fees involved.
1: Yeah, there's some fees. So, uh what I did was I I put together a group of friends and I said we're going to buy a horse and there's a um I don't know how if you spent any time in Los Angeles but there's this great Cuban restaurant called Versailles. And they have this garlic chicken where like you go in there and you eat it and you smell like garlic for 4 days. <laughs> it's amazing. And so um, we all would go there and, and, and I just, I said, we got to get into horse racing. We got to get into ownership. And I, I started something called the Versailles Racing Club. Um, we made some silks like their colors and raised enough money to buy one horse. And we named her, she was a filly and she was named no more worries. Cause we thought, you know this filly is going to win the Kentucky Oaks and then we'll all be set for life. Um, that, I don't know if this will surprise you Al but that didn't happen
0: it's it will it did i'm yeah. i'm sitting down currently <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, uh but she did win a race and we had a great time and that from from that little start um i just started doing various partnerships uh and i was still in the movie business i was actually uh working for a company called rhythm and hues uh i was working before that for a company called Cinecite. and uh while i was at Cinecite, I worked on a movie called Jerry Maguire. You've probably heard of it. And yeah, good movie. We did a lot of green screen stuff. And I was I was in the offices when they were doing they had their um their big at the beginning when Jerry gets fired, it was called SMI, Sports Management International. And so one of my partnerships, the next partnership I did was called TMI, Thoroughbred Management International, with a little nod to the too much information, right?
0: Yeah, that's that's a pretty that's
1: yeah. a pretty catchy. Pretty good. Pretty catchy. Yeah. So that was that was like my second partnership we did. And we had a great time. We bought some horses. I raised like, you know, 50 or $60,000. Maybe it was a little more. And we partnered up with some other people. And then and then I went to uh, a very, very dear friend of mine named Bruce Corwin. His son, Dave, and I grew up together. And I said, Bruce, I want to I want to try to do this more serious Um Would you loan me some money to just go buy some horses, and then I'll go, I'll go get partners for them? And he said, no problem. And uh, I sent a uh, at the time that first horse, the first couple horses we have, uh, uh, no more worries was with Ron Ellis, and Ron Ellis's assistant trainer at the time was Don Chatlos.
0: It, who's who's now taken over for Jerry's horses? He, he well, he
1: he now he hasn't taken over for Jerry. He worked for Jerry several years for several years, and now he runs a string for OXO, who is okay. the very best. Okay, yeah, but at the time, Don was Ron's assistant, and Don wanted to go out on his own. And uh, to make a long story short, Don went to Florida, bought three horses, and one of the horses he bought for 30 grand because I uh, Bruce. Bruce uh gave us a hundred grand, loaned us a hundred grand, and for thirty grand he bought Singletary. And-, and of
0: course, named after the uh middle linebacker for uh the monsters of the medway the bears right
1: well i had, i had gone to chicago i was a bears fan during that time uh i mean i'd gone to northwestern excuse me uh uh don was from chicago he's a huge uh chicago sports fan so we named this colt singletary and and all he did was you know he went out and earned about 1.5 million won the 2004 breeders cup uh, mile at lone star and really put this little fledgling company called little red feather racing on the map so,
0: so when that happens, and obviously the that's that's like winning the Super Bowl. That's that's akin sports wise to the Golden Knights winning the Stanley Cup first year out, pretty much. I mean, it might have even
1: been bigger upset.
0: <laughs> yeah, but probably a little bit bigger, especially for thirty k, right? Um, but does so did that kind of so you're on this path and and you're taking you know small loans, and then now all of a sudden. You've got a monster in the barn, and does that automatically, did that just immediately go, make you go, okay, now I got to, this is going to be much bigger, or we're going to gradually grow what Little Red Feather is, thanks to what Singletary's done for us?
1: I think it was a combination of both, and I hate to keep using that, Al, but I think um, it was so exciting, and it was such a big ride. But we hit we hit such a grand slam, like you said in your first basically big at bat, and so expectations were so high, and the truth of the matter is this is we're talking two thousand four, so this is uh, sixteen years ago now uh I was in my you know early thirties at that time, and even though I had been around horses my whole life, I still didn't truly understand the game didn't understand the the true We'll call them X's and O's since this is a sports show. Um, and even today, 16 years later, Al, just so you know, I'm still learning. I learn things every single day I go out there, and I'm out there a lot. This is not one of these sports that you could just step right in and get a, a world of knowledge in a week. Um, this yeah. is something that uh, people have spent their whole lives on. And at that time, to be perfectly frank, we didn't really know what we were doing. Um, uh, people started throwing money at us. We had tons of celebrities come. We had Tom Brady on a horse and LeBron James on a piece of a horse. Uh, we were getting all this national uh, uh, attraction just because we were a bunch of young guys who you know, stumbled ac- around this horse. And we almost tore a balcony down at Lone Star Park in 2004. <laughs> um, and we were different. I'll never forget, you know, we, I think we won either the race before or the race after was won by Ouija board and, and the Europeans were just so quiet. And meanwhile, we were, you know, we were going nuts. I mean, logistically, and, and uh, it was it was crazy, but it, it taught us a lesson. I think with success uh, comes a lot of expectations and then a lot of failures. To be perfectly frank, it was a struggle. Um, We kept trying to build the business, and this is a very, very difficult game. And if you're not 100% sure what you're doing, which I truly don't think I was back in the day, I'm still not sure. Uh, but uh, it makes it even more difficult. And you need to be very lucky. You need to have great partners. You need to surround yourself with really smart people. I brought in uh, a gentleman that I had uh, grown up with and, and he's a lawyer, his name's Gary Fenton. And he really helped out with a lot of the business stuff. And once we kind of figured out our niche and, and what kind of horses we were looking for, what kind of trainers we were looking for, um, then we really started to take off. And I think in the last... Five years, we'll call it. Uh, you know, starting with horses like Egg Drop and and Midnight Storm, and like you mentioned, Fault and and then Mirth and these kind of horses, these great Secret Spice, these Grade One type horses, they've really established us as the, I'll call it the the largest partnership on the West Coast.
0: Yeah, I mean, you guys. I, I mean, if you if you want to play, um and have a realistic chance at, at playing in big races on the West of the Mississippi. I, I think it's pretty clear that most, most partnerships would say, Hey, uh y- y- you want to give Billy
1: touch. Well, yeah, you know, that's real nice. I, I, I appreciate that. It makes my day, but at the same time, there's a lot of people out there. There's a lot of partnerships and they're really good. Yep. And I think, I think the best thing and my advice that I tell people all the time is, is if you're interested in getting involved in horse racing, especially with one of these partnerships, call, um, do some due diligence, take a, you know, take, take 20 minutes and have phone calls with the the managing partners and find out who they are and what they're about. And, and are these the type of people that you want to hang out with? Um, because this is, this is entertainment. That's what we sell. We do not sell horses. We sell entertainment. This is, as I've said, a very, very difficult game to make money in. We tell people you must have disposable income. This is not something that you should be you know, yeah, using your uh, uh, mortgage money for. And especially, I mean, listen, you and I, we're talking globally right now. We're not talking what time this is in this pandemic, uh, sure. which, which changes everything. Uh, but I'm just talking in general. Uh, those are the kind of messages that we we tell our, our, especially new investors that want to come in and join us.
0: And I, I, and speaking on new investors, I think one of the things that you guys do that is on on the cutting edge of a lot of these partnerships, you're a recognizable face. You you put yourself <laughs> out there with like ABR Wired. You can watch that on on YouTube. I've seen you pop up in random, like, like, uh, horse players, the TV show, uh, there was that Amazon show where you popped up out of nowhere and it's like people, people recognize you. And so that's one thing that like a lot of partnerships, uh, you know, lack. And then on top of that, I think with the, with the branding and make it and trying to tie in that, that Hollywood element a little bit and getting, some folks of that ilk into horses. I, I think it's just different. It's a different approach. Um, do you? How do you approach? How do you approach the the whole social aspect of like getting getting new people interested? Is it glitz and glamour? Is it the work you guys do to find the lo- the bloodstock? What what do you define LRF?
1: I think it has to be fun. I think that's the one word that is. It's really simple but it has to be fun. The experience that we put you in has to be fun. It has to be entertaining. It has to be exciting. Uh, you are not always going to win. Uh, and you are going to lose money many times in, in a partnership, in a, especially in a horse racing partnership. You are not always going to make money. So because of that, we really focus on the entertainment aspect we have we have a suite at Santa anita for our partners that they come and hang out and we're all together when we go to delmar we make sure that everyone's taken care of we have a great time we do a once a year uh partner party uh before opening day of delmar uh we have um lrf cares which is our charity wing which makes sure that every lrf horse always has a home after he's done he or she is done running Um, so we have contests and and charity events um we we have made this brand if you talk about the lrf brand i used that word fun and i think that's what really defines us and you can see it in our celebrations after horses wins Um, but to get there we they also know how hard we are working on the inside to exactly what you said find these horses find value in these horses put together different types of partnerships so we do a claiming fund. We do pin hooking now where we buy weanlings and sell them as yearlings, buy yearlings and sell them as two-year-olds. We did a partnership at Keeneland this year where we did a fund where we said we're going to buy four horses and we're going to try to sell them and pin hook them. But if we don't, we're going to race them. Uh, we, We try to do all different types of partnerships because we have all different types of people and clients that that all want different things so if you pigeonhole yourself into one thing if we just did racing well we'd have a lot of people that say well you know what i want to do some breeding well we have a breeding partnership you know so um do try to do and that that's where you talk about my familiar face it's because we're in a lot of different facets of the game and so we also know a lot of. About different facets of the game, so we're when you watch a video about uh, Keenland, you know you you see us in there talking to Sheik Mo. I, I I don't know if you saw that piece; it was pretty fun. I
0: yeah, I did see. I I've right, before. so
1: so that's you know I think, but that gives us our that's our style, that's our brand. Even though, listen, I believe we work hard. I know for a fact the communication that we give our partners is the best out there. Uh, unquestionably. And you can ask people about it, the work we do behind the scenes. We send videos of works and emails and, and the, the emails that they get are so detailed. Uh, we, we rarely even get questions about them because we, we give all the information. We are, we are transparent in what we do. And I think all those things wrapped up ends up being really, really fun and exciting and not really an investment rather than instead it's a, it's, it's your entertainment dollar.
0: Yeah. And, and speaking of like, not so much an investment, but, but still something that I, I've cup few things actually I've kind of noticed in the past few years, I've noticed that you guys have started to follow that kind of the kind of Peter Brandt trail and, and pulling some horses from Europe that you guys just assess might, might work a little bit better in Southern California. Um, what was the impetus for that? Is it, it was it just simply seeing a, a hole in the market and and maybe you could exploit it or or how'd you get to that? I think that's
1: actually you said it. Uh, I, we have a guy out here. He's he's a trainer and he's he's got white hair. I, I forget his name.
0: Yeah. Uh, God. I. I think there's. I've seen a few T-shirts.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, cool. Google it. I think his name's Bat Buffert or something like that. Um, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: he he yeah. pretty much dominates um, the 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 dirt out here in Southern California.
0: Yes, he
1: he has. A t- yeah, he has some pretty good horses on the Triple Crown trail right now, uh, and he usually does. I think he's had also two Triple Crown winners in the past, what four or five years. Um, so. You know, it's very difficult to compete with that. And not only is is Baffert so strong out here, but you have guys like John Sadler and, and these these big trainers like Doug O'Neill. And so we saw a soft spot spot in this turf racing, because in California we have turf racing all year long. Uh We're the perfect. Absolutely, and 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 so we started focusing on Europeans, and we had some success. We've had um, uh, we won the Grade Two uh, Delmar handicap uh, a few years ago with Fashion Business, who's a Frankel gelding. Thank you, thank
0: you for that. By the way,
1: yeah, he was he was pretty awesome that day. We had a a nice um, European, a little European named Philly named Nodiac that had some success. Last year we bought a horse named Succeed and Surpass, who ran fifth in the Hollywood Derby after running second in the Twilight derby uh and it is it's just nowadays um, turf racing is becoming more and more popular here in the United States. And we just saw that our partners like to go out and they like to win races and they like to have fun. So instead of just focusing on horses with just dirt pedigrees, why not go and get some of these nice Europeans and these nice European fillies that hopefully will have some uh, residual value once they're done. And,
0: and adding to that fun, you're also expanding out of California. My boy Tate just ran uh, at Aqueduct about a month and a half ago. You got Slash Gordon in New York. Um, your horses are liable to show up. Uh, I think even at one or two, if even showed up at Laurel for some stakes races. If I, if my memory, I could be thinking of something <laughs> different. But you guys are, you guys are showing up in in the way at the away team. Well,
1: a bit. I, you know, credit really goes to Michelle Nevin, who is the uh, owner and breeder of not only my boy Tate, but his little brother is Charlie McCoy and his little brother is slash Gordon. So they're all out of the same mare, and her name is backslash. And we actually own the two year old as well. Um, he's, by, he's by micromanage and uh, we named him Michael Scott for the micromanage. Yeah. So, <laughs> Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. Just as a heads up, I'm done because that's my. new <laughs> show, so that's
1: He should be. He's hopefully if they open up, we're hoping maybe Saratoga this summer or sometime in the in the fall maybe at Belmont. Uh, but
0: I, you could just take my money now. <laughs> I don't need the CPPs. They're anymore.
1: all related, and they're all from the same mare. And she's been a, and Michelle Nevin has been just a a, a godsend. She's she's a, such a, a wonderful horse person. She loves her horses yep. so much, yep. and I think she does such a great job. And so we have four horses with her right now. And I'd love to have, to be honest with you, Al, I'd love to have more in New York. It's just very hard to um, focus on on multiple places with a small staff. I mean, truthfully, this this is Little Red Feather may seem big, but it's really run by two people. Um, so it's it's not like we have this whole big overhead staff and and, and that we could just go into different jurisdictions and start to have the same success as we've had in California. Uh I live here, I've always lived here, and and it's 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 difficult breaking into it to a society like New York and like Naira. So we're doing the best job we can to bring a little of that LRF fun and excitement uh to some people in New York and hopefully it will continue to grow.
0: Is And and this is uh, probably my my last question on LRF because I've got some other things I I definitely want to get your opinion on and uh, all that. But with with LRF's current trajectory, I mean, it seems like you guys are having a very good like you have a good system in place where it's like some of these college football programs. Where, oh geez, man, the seniors are leaving. What are we gonna do? Oh wait, the juniors are actually <laughs> pretty good. Oh wait, the sophomores are actually okay too. Oh, the freshmen show potential. And and this has been carrying on, not just in Singletary, but for, for like you said, the past four or five years. You you know, um what's the biggest credit that you place in that, what's the cog in that system that's, that's helping you create? I'll give you
1: two things. Uh, Number one, the trust from our partners, um, our clients, Uh, they, they put a lot of trust and a lot of faith in us and and they are willing to uh, believe when we put a horse up for sale, they jump in and they, they go for that ride with us. And we have an amazing group of partners. Uh, They believe in us, they trust us. And when you have that, it, it makes your life easier and it makes you um, better equipped to adapt, to buy the right horses. There's not as much pressure. Um, they know you're going to make a mistake, but it's okay because they know the next one's going to be all right. Uh, so I think that's number one. And number two, the people you surround yourself with. I mentioned it before, but we have such an incredible group of um, – Bloodstock agents, guys like Tom McCrocklin, who does a lot of our work, especially with the pin hooking. But Tom brought us Egg Drop. He brought he bought Secret Spice for us. Uh, The list goes on and on. Uh, Tom bought The Hunted. Uh, He uh, bred Marky's Water. He bred Opus One. I could go on and on about Tom. He's one of my favorite people in the world. And when you find someone like that, and again, I keep using the word trust. But when you find someone that you trust, and that continually brings you great product. Uh, he's he's really one of the most important cogs. And then we have guys like Europeans, like Nile uh, uh, Dalton. Um, and then he goes to the trainers. I mean, we've used guys like Phil D'Amato and Richie Baltus and Mike Pipey and Michelle Nevin. And, and all of these guys have contributed in just helping – us get to where we want always wanted to be. And, and you said it right at the beginning is we want to be in those big races and that's the goal. And that, so um, it's our clients for having the belief and having the trust and having the faith and continuing to invest in our products. And then it's the people that are, have become part of kind of our LRF family, which are these stock agents and trainers and And even down to the grooms and the hot walkers, and the whole team and it's it's really i know this is cliche, but it is a massive team effort and and there's no there there is no l r f without any of these people and especially our clients so
0: and that's one big thing that I think partnerships offer and and we talked to Harlan Malter on this podcast we of iron horse racing
1: i like i like Marlon. He's, a he's a good guy.
0: Yeah. Harlan's legit. He's, he's, uh, he's fun. To, he's fun to chat with. And he's one of those guys where, you know, you got to clear the books for a few <laughs> hours. He still owes me a drink. Um, but, but, you know, we talked to Tom yeah, Gallo of sure. Maker racing. We, we tried to talk to some of these partnership owners to kind of give a different take as to why it is so fun to own even if you own one percent, even if you own three percent, or five, or ten, or fifteen, et cetera, what's what's your take on that that question of why get in? Well,
1: when four. your winter circle picture is on the wall of your office or in your in your house, and someone comes over and looks at it, you don't say, "I own one percent of that horse." You say that.
0: So that's number <laughs> one.
1: Um, number two, it, it's it's the best way to get involved in horse racing. Period. It is because you take all the really, really good aspects and the fun aspects and the exciting aspects, and you can, you get rid of all the bad ones. So for example, and everyone does it differently, but you know, we bill quarterly and it's the same amount every quarter. And it just, and we have an online or owner's portal where you can just go in and put in your credit card and like does it automatically for you. So we try to make all that, we always say we, we make horse ownership really simple. You know, in California um, you don't, you, the only time you have to be licensed if you own more than 10%, but you can be licensed. We wrote that rule. So you can get your owner's license. Um, we, it's a communal experience. There's nothing like coming to a race with 25 people and some of their families that you've known now and you've been for, you know a couple years through this horse's journey, and you're all in it for the same thing. It's an amazing feeling and winning with a group of people is like no other. I mean, there you can go back to go back to that balcony in 2004 uh, at Lone Star and you could see what, what winning is all about and, and, and what that <sighs> visceral experiences when you're hugging someone so hard that then this this person you, you probably didn't even know a year ago but now you're in the same horse together and all of a sudden you're in this massive group hug because your horse just won a grated stake, and it is it is an incredible feeling and I think that's really what it's all about so
0: in, in going off that and looking forward um I I take it you've been around the country you've you sampled the different um, kind of avenues of uh, you know Kentucky's got their thing, New York's got their thing, Florida is well, it's Florida, and then California is really based around that that Santa Anita Del Mar, and you have Golden Gate and you have Lothal. But what what do you find? What do you find the differences are, and and what speaks to you about Southern California racing? <sighs>
1: You know, that's a it's a good question. Um, it's just different and and to put your finger on how I I will this is gonna sound funny, uh, but we're friendlier. Uh the everyone I think in especially in Southern California and our community, um, even though it is massively competitive, I think over the last several years and what we've especially been through last year and now this year with you know COVID nineteen and we haven't even discussed that. Um we have really come together as a as a horse racing society and and a family and everyone's looking out for each other and we're just trying our best to 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 stay afloat basically in these in these terrible times so i think i think everyone in southern california i feel there's a it's a real close-knit society uh and it's if you want Subtext, I mean, you could call that the weather is amazing. I know that's not like a huge deal, but it's pretty much 75 and sunny throughout the year here. We don't have to deal with a lot of the stuff and other places have to deal with. Um, Yep. I think the racing at times is actually underrated. I know if you're back east, you're like, "Oh, it's Saratoga; it's the best races." Well, you know, I watch those races too. I see, I see what happens uh, when we all face off at Breeders' Cups, and I think the West Coast holds its own pretty, pretty dang well in, in Triple Crown races and in Breeders' Cups. So, all the all the nonsense that just you know New York has so much better racing, I just don't buy. Well,
0: well, even even in Kentucky, I mean. When it comes to Derby time, I mean let's let's face facts, if, if Omaha Beach makes it to the gate, he's pro- probably winning the Kentucky Derby. I mean and then you, you look at what uh, Justified did and Farrow's yeah, yeah. West Coast horse and um yeah. and the list goes on and I, on yeah. I, mean, the, and I and the, I was just trying to
1: I, go with your your kind of question there it's a tough question to kind of put your because when I go I love it when I go back east I love it when I go to Kentucky I love it when I go to the sales in Ocala um but that's that's just my personality I'm not I I don't I like i I thoroughly enjoy meeting different kinds of people and different types and finding i keep using the word perspective, but I like getting their different perspectives on how things are i but I think for California generally um and just this could be just my angle I just think we're 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 a a pretty happy bunch most of the time. How's that
0: yeah no i i'll I'll jive with that man um you know, and in, in just staying on that, that West Coast racing uh, kind of topic because a lot of times, you know, people here on the East Coast say we get stuck in the Stream, we get stuck into Aqueduct, and we don't wait around to play in Emerald Downs or Santa Anita or what have you. What, what to you, is the defining characteristic of uh, West Coast racing?
1: I, <sighs> you know. I
0: mean, the adage has always been that, like, it's oh,
1: just you're, you're, speed, talking, speed you're talking, you're talking from a scale. gambling perspective, a hundred percent. I,
0: well, no, like from a horse dynamic, it, not so much
1: gambling, but like just from, I think, yes, we, the, the, it is, I, I'm going to go back to something I said. I, I called it, um, I, I've come up with this theory, uh, called the Baffertization of Southern California, um, and, <laughs> in in order and by the way I'm I'm friends with Bob he will laugh at that I've told him before it's all good uh
0: no no it's just it sounds well it's kind of
1: true because in order to compete um your horses need to be very fit because his horses are extremely fit he'll work horses 17 or 18 times before they even run right so it's a very different mentality than let's say New York where um they, they, they might breeze their horses every 10 days or something like that. Or, and and yeah, you're right. And, and, and and it's just here, you have to be fast and you have to be fit. And what happened is, and why I call it the baffertization is because other trainers obviously picked up on this. So what they've, what they've done in essence, is they're trying to train their horses to be possibly something they're not because Baffert's barn consists of horses that are half a million dollars, 700,000, 1.2 million. Okay, so if you're trying to train a horse that we bought for a hundred thousand, which is a nice sizable amount to spend on a horse, tis the law, 110,000. Yeah. Um, but if you yeah. try to, a lot of times you try to train that horse the way a horse, a, a six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollar horse is trained, um, they don't last. So there's a fine line from what how you can train your horse to compete with the likes of Baffert and Sadler and, and D'Amato and these guys and Baltus, um, because you, you also have to be careful that they're going to last, and some of them don't. And in Baffert's barn, because he has so many of them, the ones that don't make it get just pushed off to the side, and the ones that make it are the ones that you see, like, and, and, the, and the ones this year, like, Authentic and... and um, uh, what's that? N- oh, Nadal. I mean, he's Nadal? just a beast. Uh, uh, monster. And monster. and the new one, the... Uh, um, oh, I can't remember. No, A Thousand Words a thousand I liked words? before, but the no, the one that starts with a C. I can't. Oh, I can't remember his name right now. He's incredible. He's won two races with 105 buyers. Charlatan. There oh, you go. Uh, Charlatan. Charlatan. So uh, it, that's why I call it the Baffertization of Southern California.
0: And... In- that that actually kind of kind of puts a nice bow on 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 that uh, just just a general vague question about where horse racing is and, and where it's going. You know, you look at some of the handle uh, from the last week in the Aqueduct. You get 18 million. Santa Anita is getting a ton of eyes. I don't know exactly their handle numbers per se, but I would imagine everything's up. You've got Fox Sports entering the fray, NBC Sports thrown on TVG. Um, where do you think that the industry can kind of take that? Because we got to have folks at the barns and that's 90% of the people you need in there. If, if the proper precautions and it's signed off on, do you think that this, this horrible time the globe is going through my like the horse racing industry can actually um, use to not only satiate that that gambling interest, you know, people are people want yeah, to bet Jazz sure. Lakers, right? But also that sporting aspect and introduce the world to horse care, um, some of the in-depth stories on the people behind the scenes and and all the great products. Do you think this is really like a time where? If we could get everything in a nice row, this would be a time where we could get horse racing back into a conversation. I tell you what, at least. I, I
1: don't have the answer to that. But what I'll tell you is if, if horse racing comes out of the indictments and the pandemic and we are still, you know, uh, walking, then we have a great chance to turn this thing around. Uh, I think what we're going through right now obviously is completely unprecedented. I think you're going to see a lot of people getting out of the business because of the uncertainty with all the track closings. San Anita closed last weekend. We're just training. I don't. I just got an email. They have postponed the San Anita Derby and the San Anita Oaks. Um, it's so. I think. Listen, as owners have businesses, right, and if those businesses aren't. are are shutting down or have shut down and they're not spending to buy horses or possibly even have the funds uh, to take care of the current horses that they have, it's going to be very difficult. Um, And so this, we can't take it lightly. And I know we've had a very positive conversation and trust me, I'm a positive guy, but this is an extremely scary time for all of us. And I think the time where we need to do more than ever come together, plan appropriately, uh, make sure we are doing the right thing by the horse first, always put the horse first, and figure out a way for us to just get better. And I think that's what, what what was happening before the pandemic. And if you look at the indictments and you look at what happened with Santa Anita last year and all the new protocols that they've put in place, in order for us to thrive as a sport and as an industry, Um, our public perception has to be better. And hopefully when this is all over, and I hope it's sooner than later, uh, we can all look back and and maybe this is a reset button and say, hey, even though we've tried to be better, we have to even go further. And we just have to, as a group, as a society, as a family, and as an entity, and as as an industry, we have to work together to make sure that all these horses are taken care of to the best, the, the best, best, best of our ability, that the playing field is level everywhere you go, that drugs are at a, a, a minimum, um, if at all. And and that and that the public will come back and and, and watch our great game and, and love it the same way we will. We do. Well, uh,
0: Hey, you got my vote. That's i my, don't know where that's,
1: my soap box. that's my soapbox you that's my soapbox
0: al no i love it no it, it, you're hitting the nail on the head and and at the end of the day part of the reason i started this podcast is to illuminate people to you know the fact that hey we, we actually do care about it, it is horse first Absolutely. at the end of the day it's always horse first with everybody whether you, whether you talk to yourself or andy serling or harlan or phil love Haley, my man whatever. phil
1: um <laughs> man phil, phil's a g man
0: phil's i don't really know how funny he, he is
1: dude. but he's um, cool actually i don't even know how, i don't even know how cool he is but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but i love right. the guy i
0: love but the guy so. <laughs> but uh you know hey speaking of love speaking of love Let's get down nitty and gritty. So you are a wildcat yes, from sir. Northwestern University, uh, and if if your biography is not lying, uh, you did, did play some uh, yep. baseball. Right? Um, do you still follow Big Ten athletics? Uh, being out on the west coast, I know. I know that that can be a <laughs> plus and a negative. No, I,
1: I listen. I consider uh, myself a Big Ten guy. Uh I follow I do follow the cats. I, I watch as as many of their games as I can. Um as painful as that is. Uh it's one of those things that some of my best friends in life are uh are from Northwestern. I had an amazing college experience. Uh, loved playing baseball my last two years. And uh I wouldn't change that, but it man, sometimes I do wish that we could we win won a few, you know, a few more games. I I mean, what am I supposed to say? Like, well, th- know, it's frustrating. I, I, like, I thought our basketball team was on the precipice of, like, some really good success. I love Collins. And and all of a sudden, we just go right back in the toilet. I don't know. You explain it to me.
0: Uh, I can't. I'm you guys star. are amazing. I mean, we just keep rolling along. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you
1: know, it's a, it, it's a system.
0: It's a process. Uh, no, I I I wonder how how it works for you for you out there because I know when I lived on the West Coast, uh, in Washington, it it was great. My games were on at nine. Right. The races started yeah. at twelve. I'm good to go. You know, we can double screen it a little SEC football and then a little bit of horse racing on the side. Um, for for you, you said you you still try and keep up and everything. Where where do you see? uh north northwestern athletics i mean obviously pat fitzgerald is doing he's a fantastic coach i mean everybody agrees where do you see northwestern football come in after after like just a really rough year really down
1: year? yeah i think i think a lot of injuries um last year and i think we just you know if you watch some of the games our defense was still okay but then no, but they would. What happen What would happen bad. is they just it get they bad. get run down because we couldn't move the ball offensively. We 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 couldn't get a first down. And when you're on the field all the time, you know as well as I do, you just you can't just keep stopping people. Um, it's very difficult. It's hard. It, it's always been difficult for Northwestern recruiting wise to get those top caliber guys. Right, first of all.
0: That, this year this year pets uh, i well, think you pulled in a, five-star, mean, right? a five star i mean that'd be fantastic i mean
1: you're you're talking about one guy no, no, where you know yeah, you look yeah. at uh, look at notre dame or usc or clemson or alabama or whoever it is they 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 have 30 of those guys right so the it, it, it's just it, it is what it is. Northwestern is a play is a is a place where you're gonna go and get an unbelievable education. I know how difficult it is to get into these days, especially I don't think I could get in this these days. Um and it is funny because I tell people I went to Northwestern, they're like, You mean Northeastern? And I'm like, No, 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 Northwestern. That's where I went. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, um give me carriers. a break. I can be smart. Uh it, it's 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 I'll, I'll be honest. It it's frustrating. <laughs> I root, I'm I'm not as involved. I don't you know, I don't know. I'm just a fan, just like anybody else. Uh I'm not gonna be able to sit here and I don't even couldn't tell you who our starting quarterback is next year. Uh as embarrassing as that is. But I, I root and I I just want good things for them. They deserve it. I know those kids are really smart and I know look, they work just as hard as anybody else. Um, so they're putting in the work. I know Pat does a great job and um I'll never forget. I'll never – he got hurt right before our Rose Bowl, which I still am depressed about. Keyshawn Johnson yeah. destroyed most of my dreams.
0: Still, I remember that game with uh, – Darnell Autry. Oh, uh, uh, hey, so Darnell Autry. Yes, yes. I remember. That's uh, That's a year when you were like – I was sitting there as a kid and I'm like,
1: what, what are these purple that? guys? This is going, going on. They don't,
0: even... don't we be? Aren't we like 112-0 <laughs> exactly. against exactly. these guys? And they're exactly
1: just uh,
0: Um, but you know, I think Northwestern the way the way he coaches up players it, you know, maybe last year you know you get some injuries, it hurts your it hurts everything. But still, I mean, they built a beautiful facility i don't know if you've been back to campus but but built a beautiful city or uh facility yeah i've seen i've seen uh uh,
1: pictures of it i have not been back
0: yeah (laughs) they're not far off from being very competitive and they're in the big 10 west which it's not going to take much you know just like a couple right and we were by
1: the way we were playing ohio state so well that night we were like the first quarter, we played. But you know what happened? Yep. I'm telling you, the yep. same thing happens. We come out, we can compete, we can compete, but they have so much more depth than we have. And we run out of gas.
0: Well, and and that's what I tell my buddy, my, my the guy that is also on this podcast, uh, Peach. He he's a Michigan uh, alumni. I'm a Spartan alumni, and and I told him one day, I said, "How many four and five star prospects?" Does Alabama have? And and he didn't know. I said there, there's what? about seventy-two yeah, on their roster. Okay, a, a normal roster consists of about ninety players. So you know, do the math. And I said, you know who's who said? Oh, Clemson. I go. no. State. They're unbelievable. It's, it's Ohio State. The next closest Big Ten team. Is Michigan or Penn State? Depending did you
1: on watch? Yeah, the, uh, did you watch the? Uh, I don't I, know what it was on. It was like twenty four seven all access, and they did a bunch of different colleges. And Penn State, they did one with Penn State. I was so impressed yeah. with their coach, and obviously, you know they're gonna they're gonna play what they want us to see. But you
0: know, James Franklin, I I maintain he's a really good recruiter. And uh, he can fire up a crowd. He <laughs> can coach his way out of a paper bag.
1: Um, he's just not a good, is he not a good – I, I don't watch a lot of their coach. games. I know they win. Uh, I have no idea. He,
0: he does some things – well, I think they yeah. win purely based off talent. But he does some things where, like you know, if you if you look at your dog and and start just barking commands at it, and it turns its head sideways, that's the that's the same
1: reaction that's I have watching that's state good. football Brilliant. sometimes.
0: It's just mind boggling. Um, but. Yeah. So do you think do you think you'll ever, uh, you know, do you plan on coming back
1: out to, to I've been see so, games? Listen, or, I've been or, so busy, you, you know, uh, that with with the horses, it's really hard for me to get away because we like I said, we are doing so many things. So even uh, when we're not racing, especially normally during this time, we have all the sales, um, the basic sale of Miami was supposed to be actually, I think, tomorrow or uh, Wednesday. Um, you know, we have all the OBS sales. Yeah. So there's three of those. We have the Mid Atlantic sale and, and Timonium. So in me,
0: me and Phil are really I, pushing for that sucker to get pushed because he's having a kid. You're I'm having, having a, kid. a kid. Let's push it to Is the right. Yeah, I'm having. Is this a your kid, first uh, in a few in a few weeks? Second, and then, no second second yeah i'm f- i'm in full braxton higgs <laughs> just kind of like my ears perk up i look like I, I look like <laughs> I'm right, gonna well i'm
1: sure done. i'm sure going to be just fine it's all the-
0: yeah no no i i yeah i'm not i'm not too worried about <laughs> it i trust our healthcare professionals uh even in these trying times but you know we're we're hoping it gets pushed to the right so we can both go and- oh well
1: yeah, hopefully hopefully we'll to- run into each other i'd like that <laughs> That's good.
0: If you're gonna be we'll out there, get, Harlan, we'll get
1: we'll yes. get we'll get uh yeah. Iron Man, Iron Horse, we'll get him. We'll yeah. get Harlan. Yeah
0: Yeah, we'll get Harlan. Hey, real quick real quick, speaking of him, uh yep. he he's a former baseball player at Columbia. Uh and I and I asked him this question, but what being a being a ball player, um what's your take on everything with that? with that Astros and uh, MLB Sweet just kind
1: of, you know. Uh,
0: I mean, the Red Sox deal is just kind of a I
1: think, I think it's crazy like, about uh, know, just how many people knew about it and just didn't do anything. I've, I've watched a bunch of games now where uh, they were very aware of what was going on, and they were trying to do everything they can could to, to change their signs or to do things just silently or different. It was – it was, I the way MLB handled it was horrible. The way that the Astros handled it was horrible. I think, I think if anything, this uh, this coronavirus has has probably helped them, you know, get get from the front page down to a place where we really don't care about that anymore. Because right now we're just worried about survival, and we're worried about our families and who we love. And I think all that stuff is probably yeah. good timing for the Astros because if the season started, they were going to get a lot of balls thrown at their heads. Um, it's something that as a player, you just, there's that, there's those, I hate saying it, it's so cliche again, those unwritten rules, but they really, they really mean something. That's, and and to, especially when you play and you can see the, the fervor for guys from guys like um, uh, the kid on the Dodgers, um, Bellinger, um, like how like they were just genu- genuinely yeah. like f- fucking pissed off you know? and and i think it's it, i think it's hard for the rest Absolutely. of us to really put be be in those shoes to know just how hard those guys work to try to get something and i went back and looked at all that stuff because they were talking how dominant um kershaw and you darvish were headed into those games uh at minute made and if you it's it's actually really interesting um And, and oh. it's
0: really poor poor Clayton because I tell you what, that poor guy, like, you know, the book on him has always been he's dominant in the 162, but then when you get to the playoffs, it's a it's a nuclear wasteland. And you saw in that game he was rolling into it.
1: Go Maybe watch though. There's these there's this statistic player. that like they never they there's some statistic and I can't pull it off the top of my head, my memory is terrible. But there's some statistic about that the Astros didn't swing and miss at a curveball for like you know for like 50 pitches or something after the first two innings or something like that. I mean, it's really crazy if you go watch it with that in your head, and they're just they just lay off everything that was in the dirt. Whereas normally, you know, those are those are strike threes a lot of the time, right? Um, but they didn't swing and miss. There's crazy yep. stats out there. If you really are into it, go research it. From my perspective, it, it was, it's, it's disgusting. Shouldn't have been done. I don't know what to say. Hey, no, I,
0: hey, I'm on board with you. Uh, getting back to uh, some you mentioned uh, real, real quick earlier. Uh, LRF cares in the contest you run. I think you ran it in conjunction or, or you yes. did some stuff with uh, yep. Peter Fournette, Love those guys and, and the money. Um, yeah. Oh, they're fantastic. Uh, what they're doing over there. Hopefully I, I have a feeler out to Peter. Hopefully, <laughs> he's a good hopefully man. Listen, and maybe we can get him on. Uh, no, absolutely. Uh, LRF cares. Can you kind of explain what that means? And, and yeah, what, sure. no, I, I, what I'm on the board LRF of directors of yes, karma,
1: which it. is the California retirement account, uh, which is all about aftercare. Uh, when we first started, Uh, A little red feather, we didn't have our own. We started LRF Cares, gosh, I don't know about, I'm going to say five or six years ago. Uh, It's primarily run by a a woman named Renee Parcell, who is one of our partners. She does a great job. And uh, myself and and my partner, Gary Fenton, um, we, we try, we just raise money once or twice a year. We'll have, last year we did a handicapping contest at Del Mar. It was incredible. Uh, and, and I think we raised something like 15 to $20,000 could even been more. As I told you, my memory is horrific. Um, and all that money goes for, um, first of all, uh, for LRF horses that need to retire. We make sure that they all have a good home. And then that money is used to support places like karma, um, and support, uh, obviously you remember the fire at San Luis Rey, which is one of the worst couple of days. I've ever had. Uh, and, and so LRF cares came in and funded some of that. Um, we do when a horse needs to retire, um, we'll go out and, and, and buy the horse and find it a home. So it's, it's as an owner in the game, there's comes a certain responsibility because you're not just owning that horse for his racing career. You're owning that horse when the horse is done. So, um, at karma we say own race retire that's your that's your three-pronged goals right you, you, you and and it's very very important and i don't think people understand it enough uh we we try to uh, talk about it as much as we can um and you know we have we 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 have volunteers that help us out um and we're constantly our our partners are the best the little red feather partners are are so generous always and they understand that that their responsibilities as well so um it's it's a really just small organization that we started we raised money for it we had a softball game one year we did a contest we've had a costume party we've done all kinds of things to try to just raise money and it's all for aftercare uh which is really really important in our business
0: and if people want to donate Um, I usually, if I ever make a nice score, I always peel off a 20 or 25 bucks and I send it to to Thoroughbred aftercare. Uh,
1: Um, it's actually on, um, um, on our website, we have a link to LRF cares. So just click on that link and our website is just littleredfeather.com. It'll take you right to a page. Um, and you can make it, make a donation, anything you want. We're a 501c3. Uh, and, and it's, it's just. Yeah, it's 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 a nice thing. And I appreciate that you do that. I think it's really nice. We have a lot of partners who do that. When a horse retires, um, they'll give a little they'll give a little cash. um, And it's all we we run it. So, you know, that it's going to the right places. Um, We know where all the money goes. So it's a it's a it's it's like I keep saying it's a really, really important part of, of any organization is what happens to these horses when they're done racing. And that's a big question.
0: And, and and speaking of that, I have a personal story with that. I didn't tell you about this before we were, when we were conversing before this. But uh, so I, I'm sitting there with a bunch of my Italian friends. We're drinking. I'm on leave from the army. We're grilling, drinking. And they're like, hey, why, why don't you pick a horse race, right? And it just so happens to be San Margarita Day. And we're looking through the list of names. And I'm like, I I haven't handicapped this, guys. I I don't know. I I couldn't tell you. And we had an inside joke about whenever somebody, you know, fucks around or fucks (laughs) off, you know, we yell fault. Well, (laughs) we see fault right there. And everybody's eyes blow wild. We throw a hundred bucks on fault. And immediately the house goes wild. The horse went off, I think it was like eight to one, yeah, value at, she was at eight, you know, yeah. eight to one. Um, and one just one really brilliantly, a brilliant horse. Uh, she's uh, you know, subsequently after her next start, I think she she was injured. Can you can you fill yeah. me in on faults? So you I know, it was
1: it was really. Hor- the, she can We message. um. Our good friend Mark Martinez from Agave Racing Stable, he actually claimed her in her three-year-old year, I believe, for like fifty thousand, and she won a minor stake. I believe it was at Arlington Park, and then we bought her in January of her four-year-old year. He he wanted to transfer to Phil D'Amato out here in Southern California, and she came out and just she was just blossoming and she ran her first race was in the Buena Vista on the grass. And I think that day she was a pretty big long shot. I think she was like eight to one. And that's the day she won. That was a grade two on grass. Then our next start, we took a shot because she had been training so well in the dirt and we ran her in at that time. It was the grade one Santa Margarita. And she won by like six lengths. She won so easily ran just an amazing race um and then we came back there weren't really any races our plan was to go to new york and there was a grade three at santa anita um about a month before the new york race and we ran in that and she came from way back and won that race so she was three for three for us and we were prepping to take her to new york for i believe it was belmont day i think it was the ogden phipps oh she would have loved belmont she oh she would have turns she and been I was at the track one morning and she was coming back just from a routine gallop. And the exercise rider, uh, his name is Matt, he's a great guy. He was walking her back and I'm standing with Phil D'Amato and Phil's face just went white. And she had something we don't know, you know, you never know, they can't talk. But uh, we, we were hoping that maybe it was a foot or maybe it was just not something not so serious, but she ended up having a, a fracture to one of her um, hind ankles. And I'm just keeping it simple, but she, it was, it was, it, it's as if you were walking down the sidewalk and you hit something and you just, you know, you turned your ankle and you kind of broke, you broke your ankle. Right. And I mean, it was, it was like that she was just jogging and like, must've taken a bad step, hit something, done something. And luckily we, we got her right into surgery. Um, Dr. Ryan Carpenter, good man, fixed her right up. But, uh, at that point we were forced to retire and she ended up, um, she ended up selling, uh, it, th- that later that year, uh, our good friend, Travis white at TaylorMade sold her for us. And I believe it was one point. I want to say 1.1, one point. God, I have a picture somewhere. I should look, I'm embarrassed that I don't know the answer. I think it was over a million dollars, um, selling for. So uh everybody in that partnership did very well. Obviously it was a it was a really sad day because we had plans to go to New York. We had a bus. We were already ready to go. Uh everyone had their flights. But this game, the second you think you've gotten this game figured out it will the racing gods will come up and they will kick you in the teeth. So um stay humble. <laughs> and, uh, and 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 but that's that was the story of Fault and she yeah. was an awesome filly and now I think she's uh, I think the Japanese bought her to be to be honest I think she's new. she's
0: in Japan. Well, if she's in Japan, I'll have to research that. But we'll uh, <laughs> have that,
1: but, uh, <laughs> a bunch of. We'll, of new, we'll nine, get a new one for you. Have- oh, we will right. get a new one. Michael oh, Scott, okay, that's okay. your guy's name. Uh, yeah, Michael absolutely. Scott
0: might be it. I'm, I'm, I'm. There you go. Uh, you know, just wrapping up. Um, sure. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you some quick fire questions here. I'd just like to see your take on this. Uh, who would you rather see win? Minnesota, Minnesota, because my good friend
1: Ben Posen, who's one of our big yeah. clients, he went to Minnesota. He's a huge fan. No.
0: Okay, I thought you were going to say because yeah. of the logo, but I'll I'll go with I'll go with the buddy. Um best
1: Oh college wow. baseball player Uh baseball. God. Uh you know, I have to say my roommate, um uh Joe Perona, he was amazing. He was our catcher. Uh Danny Danny Oh, what am I talking about? I played with Mark Loretta. Yeah, I I was thinking my older guys, (laughs) but I forgot Loretta because I played him for his first two years. And, you know, he went on to play. Loretta was unbelievable in college. And I didn't even see him in his best because I only saw him as freshman and sophomore years. But he was was truly amazing, and he's an even better guy, Loretta. Uh,
0: Also, real quick, a lot of baseball players getting into – Horse yeah. racing uh Mike Napoli V Mart. uh is there is there like have you ever noticed that there's like a, just a transition Ledu- Maduca uh, I think it's
1: just, no like, I think it's it looks looks goes back like a, to what you yeah. said at about the fair 20 question. minute mark is that we're just all degenerates yeah
0: <laughs> fair enough uh oh, very racing,
1: different uh, uh very very different that's apples and oranges um i love del mar it's my favorite time of the year so i, I have to say del mar but that does not mean anything uh, against santa anita the the picturesque mountains in the background and i've had some of our we've had some of our greatest memories there so very close but um in my will i am i am to be uh my ashes are to be scattered over the finish line on opening day after i die at del mar I just,
0: that's pretty badass. Uh, real quick about that. So you... you it was at Del Mar. are wired, and I think it was at Del Mar. Okay, so who did you pay off to make it look like that scene in Goodfellas where where uh, Ray Liotta, Henry Hill, just walking through. Hey, like the buddy, buddy, that's how it is. Just, hey, how you doing? And you're just walking <laughs> buddy, through. Buddy,
1: that's real life. Come come join us at that's Del Mar, it, and you'll it, get a it, taste. That's real life you got it okay okay i'll try and take you up on that if my wife no knows. you just that, yeah that's you're fine a
0: lot of paperwork with old do it for uh, business yeah. <laughs> uh yeah 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 business yeah business trip of course um okay last question bet best horse you've ever seen and the,
1: the best horse, you I think, I, I, you know, it's funny because on Twitter, we've been going with a lot of this stuff. I think the best horse I ever saw personally was Spectacular Bid. He was so awesome. Wow. Um, okay. just, and he's he's just kind of etched in my memory. I, I was there when J.O. Tobin beat Seattle Slough at Hollywood Park. So, so. I was, I was there and I was crushed. I was a huge oh, Seattle wow. Slough fan. And so.
0: You know, Andy. Andy right. so and it so
1: probably would have been mine as well, except season. that I saw that so. race. So when you see that you can't unsee that. Right. Um, and spectacular bid, go look. Someone posted spectacular bids PPs on Twitter the other day. It's pretty unbelievable. Um. And I think, like, my favorite horse, I mean, I have the chills yeah. right now. I mean, I I have to say, like, from as a kid, it's Telly's Pop, who if you ever look him up, I'm staring at a picture of him right now. Um, like I said, he was my first, like, true love. Uh, he was owned in partnership with Telly Savalas, and I was the kid handing out lollipops. And he would say, who loves you, baby? Uh, you can't beat that experience. Other horses that like <laughs> are my favorites, and I'm looking around my wall in my little home office. I, here's here are the four horses that I have uh, on my wall. Okay, Singletary, Kona Gold, John Henry, and Telly's Pop. So, but if I had to, if I if if one horse really affected me as a kid, it was actually Ruffian. I loved Ruffian. She was perfect. Wow. Um, I remember okay. exactly where I was when she when she broke down. I I, I don't think I stopped crying. Uh, it still gets me emotional. I became friends with Jane Schwartz, who wrote the book "Ruffian Burning" from the start. It's a great book if you ever want to read it. Um, and and I think that that's that's my girl. Um, she was she was like I, I don't think anybody. Yeah, But I shouldn't say that because each generation has these new kind of superstars. And I think that because of my history and because I've been around the sure. game so long, it's hard for me. You know, I'm like I'm the guy who likes I'm the guy who says Michael Jordan's the greatest and don't even argue it. And then but you have all the new guys you say, well, what about Kobe and what about LeBron? Right. I'm always going to kind of err to the older older horses, I think, from previous generations. Uh, so that's just me.
0: Oh no, that's fair enough. And I think going off on Ruffian, uh, I believe, and I could be wrong on this, so please somebody out there correct me. But I think the uh, Horse Racing Hall of Fame in Saratoga—I've uh, never been—like has a whole section devoted to Ruffian. Mm-hmm. I I haven't I haven't been either, but I want to say I was watching the the telecast one day during the Saratoga meet uh, within the past yeah. year or two, and. They were like, Hey, a whole section about ruffian. And they talked about ruffian. Um, I could be wrong though, but you know, I just want to thank you for your time. Where, where can, where can people get a hold of you? You you know, we've been doing this
1: podcast about, about I think it's four four years now it's myself and Michelle you, and um, it's called the horse ownership experience and you can download them on iTunes. Um, they are it's i i wanted to do something i i was getting frustrated that no one talked about the owners of the sport so they'd say it's uh you know bob baffert's Justify, right and i was like no bob bob baffert is the is the trainer of Justify, but justify is owned by you know winstar etc and so we started doing a show where we just brought on horse owners and let them tell their stories and give advice and how they got into the game so it's been it's been a lot of fun. We've talked to so many people over the four years, um, and it's it, it's a lot of fun to do. Uh, we we it's called the horse ownership experience. It's really it's a cool podcast for anybody out there who's thinking about becoming an owner. I highly suggest going through and finding someone that that you think is interesting and and listening to these interviews because they they do give a lot of insight as to what it means to be a horse owner. It's pretty cool. She's great.
0: And, and Michelle, you too, is just, uh, like he gave out a.
1: Oh yeah. She's like a, she's pretty good. She's pretty good. She knows what she's doing. Time. She's fun to talk to. Say, uh, Oh, she's, she's, she's pretty she's, cool. She's, and then, yeah, if you want to contact me, it's uh, my email's is Billy at LittleRedfeather.com. It's on our website. It's little Anybody who's interested in horse racing, please just shoot me and shoot me an email. I'm happy to set up a time to talk and, give you the ins and outs of, of what we do at Little Red Feather and also provide any kind of advice you want on 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 just horse racing in general and especially horse racing ownership. So, Al, I appreciate you having me on, though, and, and thank you. And, and more importantly, everybody stay safe in this time. Um, just wishing all your, your families and everybody just be careful out there. This is a it's a crazy time we're in right now. And I'm just just hoping everybody stays safe.
0: And you do the same brother. And, and I don't want to glom on too much, but when we talked earlier about calling around to different partnerships and seeing, seeing what fits for you, when I started getting into the host horse ownership game, uh, I called the number on little red <laughs> and I talked to you and I remember going, wait, I'm talking to no, the catch. We have right? no offices, my man. Somebody like in the, in an office somewhere. I'm talking to you. Yeah, and I'm like I'm like, oh, okay, well, cool. Uh, and we had a great conversation and um, you know, and if you have the if you have the ability to um, and you're out on the west coast or if you're in New York, uh, or close to New York or if you're anywhere because <laughs> old Red Feather is uh, I appreciate it, sweeping I appreciate the nation, it. Um, please reach out. Billy, it's been an honor and a pleasure, brother. Hopefully, we can do this again down the road in and, and happier times. And and thank you for Slash Gordon. <laughs> thank you for Michael Scott. He's already a winner. And uh, thank you for Fashion. Business. All right, man. We got to keep going.
1: Uh, yeah, we'll do it anytime. Anytime, Al. An anytime out, night anytime night. you need me. We'll see you in Del Mar this summer. You get that hall pass. All right, man. See
0: ya. <laughs> and that does it for our episode today. Like I said, uh, at at the front of the show, we're going to be back uh, bringing you some uh, more interviews, new shows, new content coming this week. Look for that to drop. Uh, Subscribe rate, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Hit us up at peach underscore stucast. And until next time, I am Stu, and I am out.